God damn it, really? Hey, everybody, welcome to I'm Okay, You're Okay. I'm not okay. You're not okay. With me, Bob Schneider, and your other host, Clint Wells. You're welcome. Well, here we are, another episode of I'm Okay, You're Okay, I'm Not Okay, You're Not Okay. Somehow, despite being hundreds of miles apart, despite living in a global pandemic, and all the chaos of the coming election, we are here today, dearly beloved, to talk about a bunch of bullshit. How is there are you an election coming up? Yeah. The third and final debate is happening in Nashville tomorrow. So there's a charge. There's a are you charging. talking about the voice? Are they having yeah. an election to see who's going to win the voice? I've never seen a single episode of the voice. What? So a lot of big shows like that that I've never, I've never seen a single, I've never seen a single second of Survivor. I've never seen a single second of The Bachelor. Huge, huge, huge shows that have been on forever. Never seen right. a single second of them. Okay, well, let me tell you what you should do for sure. Watch The Bachelor. Don't watch Survivor. Don't watch The Voice. I'm not going to watch any of them. Well, don't watch any of them except for Bachelor. No, that's not going to happen. Well, I mean, it's your life. Yeah. But... I mean, why make it worse by not watching Bachelor? Well, I think it answers its own question. Well, I think there was a point in your life where you're like, fuck basketball. But now you don't feel that way anymore. I mean, there, here's, you know when the time in your life that was? Before you watched that Michael Jordan doc. And then after that, you're like, oh, I love basketball now. If you're telling me that there's a figure in The Bachelor as charming, magnetic, life-changing if you're telling me that the greatest actor in the whole world is in The Bachelor or the greatest bachelor that ever lived, maybe. All right. Well, I got news for you. Michael Jordan's not playing basketball anymore. And you watched the whole basketball season. I watched the playoffs. The whole season's 82 games, homie. Hey, here's the deal about basketball and me. It happened to me. I almost had no control over it. If that yeah, happens, that's what with happened the bachelor, with Bachelor and me. I did, do you think I wanted to become a bona fide member of Bachelor Nation? Hell no, dude. I fought it. Hoof, nail, and stump. And tooth? Yeah. Hoof, nail, and tooth. <laughs> Dude, I did not. I, I was kicked, dragging, and screaming into the Bachelor Nation. But now that I'm here, I like it. The climate, it's climate controlled. It's nice. Dude, I just found yesterday on HBO Max all of the other Bachelors Bachelor UK, Bachelor Australia, Bachelor New Zealand, which I've never seen. And I can't wait to dig my stinky toe into all of them. Hmm. I might not watch Bachelor UK, though. But I'll definitely watch Bachelor Australia and New Zealand. Because I like the New Zealand accent. My wife watches a, uh, she likes fat people shows where, like, you know, mm -hmm. you got some fat people. And then you got some people come in and try to help the fat people not be fat. She likes those shows. And we actually watched The Biggest Loser together and enjoyed it maybe eight years ago. But she watches an Australian version of that. I watched Biggest Loser about eight years ago. And again, it was one of those where it was on in the living room and I walked out and got caught like a, you know, like a fly in a spider's web. You can get caught in the web and watch it, but I didn't, I never liked it didn't make me feel good watching biggest loser yeah bachelor i'm watching every second 
Even the shitty, like the last couple seasons have been real shitty. Still watched every second of it. Guess what I don't watch? Bachelorette. Fuck that show. You know why? Because it's a lie. And The Bachelor is the truth. By the way, book closed. Dust on the book. Never to be opened again. Spiders crawling on the book. Dead spiders. Because they crawled so long ago in the dust that they now have died from old age. We watched Honey, I Shrunk the Kids last night. Me and Nova. It was her first time seeing it. And I didn't is it good? Well, it is pretty good. It is pretty good. Um, it holds up. But it was interesting because I didn't plan it this way, but the movie came out in 89, which is definitely when I would have seen it. In 89, I was six years old. Mm-hmm. We watched it last night. My daughter is six years old. Oh, wow. So it was just watching her shriek and clap her hands together and hide her head under the covers when the ant comes out and watching her put it all together and be scared of the lawnmower. She basically was having all the same reactions I had when I was that exact age watching that exact same movie. It was a really interesting feeling. Did you went back to the future? I went back in time to the future. You were talking about spiders crawling on books. The thing that's so cool about it and the reason it's thrilled her and scared her is because everything you see in it's real. There's no CGI. There's no animation. Like the ant, there's a big ant that almost kills them and I miss that in movies. I feel like... Uh, you miss movies, that reality. Well, just the effects are better. They're better when they're real. So they had to just make all these sets where they're like in the blades of grass. And they so they had to make giant grass and a giant cookie and a giant Lego. And it's just better. It's better. The scarier parts are scarier. And the fun parts are more fun when it's real. I think the book has been closed. And now not only is there dust and dead spiders on it, there's also a dead corpse laying on top of that because the timekeeper of all time who lives a thousand years finally passed away and then decomposed and his rotting bones are on the book and who takes his place no one Hmm. it's empty empty for forever but i'm just uh, basically that's a whole different story but the main story that just ended was the book being closed and you closed it oh but here comes somebody wanting to open it Oh, guess what they can't do? Open the book, because it's closed forever. The end. I want to talk about this guy, Henry Phillips. Do you know who that is? No. So my old manager, Griff Morris, is like, oh, you got to watch this movie called Punching the Clown. So I check it out. Turns out it was a movie that he made 10 years ago that he wrote and starred in um, about this singer-songwriter. And it's... I I wasn't crazy about the uh, the movie, but then I watched his stand up special, which came out like maybe three or four years ago, and I had started watching it a year ago, and it was a little slow. I didn't like the pacing, so I didn't watch it, but I stuck to it, and then finally got to where he started doing the. He does these joke songs. Oh my god, dude! This dude is genius funny with these joke songs which like i don't like joke songs but this shit was next level funny anyways henry phillips is his name kind of reminds me of me a little bit definitely underground the only the biggest difference between him and me is that he knows really famous people and he has famous people who 
think he's really funny. But other than that, he is under the radar. Would you consider Mark Ribier to be joke songs? Absolutely. A lot of his stuff is, there's a lot of humor in his songs. Now, I don't know if they're joke songs. I don't even know. I mean, the Henry Phillips songs, it's comedy. It's pure comedy. But, like, they've, there's got to be, I hate, I don't like songs that are just funny to be funny. Like, they have to have some backbone to them. They have to have some levity to them to be good. That's any good comedy. So, yeah. So, yeah, I think Mark Ribolet, a lot of, lot of humor. I mean, every once in a while he'll do something that doesn't have any humor in it. But mostly it's he tries to inject some humor into what he does. He's having a crazy couple of months. He's getting he's doing collaborations with like Snoop Dogg and Ice T and shit. All these all these people are just reaching out to him saying, like, we want to hang out with you. We want to make music with you. Well, he already did one with What's Her Butt. Erica Badu. Yeah. Which What's Her Butt, I think, is her middle name. Dude, she was fucked up in that video. Yeah, she's like really high or something. Yeah, I think that was at a drive-in show that he did wherever she lives. She lives in like Dallas or Houston or something. Oh, she's in Texas? Yeah. Erica Badu? Wow. Oh, yeah. Always liked Erica Badu. I saw her in Atlanta at a show right after the Roots, you know, right after the Roots were super big, like maybe three years after that. And she was solo acoustic, and it was so bad. She just played acoustic? She was just up there with an acoustic guitar, and it was packed. There was a couple thousand people there, and they were, like, not having it. And she was getting pissed. What venue in Atlanta? Uh, I don't know. Like the Tabernacle or Fox Theater or something? Might have been the Tabernacle. It was a pretty big place. Like yeah. 1,500 people, maybe? Yeah, that sounds like the Tabernacle. Yeah, I think it was the Tabernacle. So she was opening for Roots. No, she was she was headlining. Oh, she headlined. Yeah, it was like after the Roots kind of like were big, and then she just started. She became like a solo artist, and she put out that the life lessons I've learned of whatever her ass name is. <laughs> are you talking about Erica Badu, or are you talking about Lauren Hill? Lauren Hill. Yeah, you're ta you're talking about the miseducation of Lauren Hill. I saw Lauren Hill. I didn't see Erica Badu. I've never right. seen Erica Badu. Well, you're now canceled for, with Mark Rebelay. You're now canceled because apparently you think all black women look are the same person. So. No, I just got I just got them confused. They're both R and B singers. Yeah, that's Lauren all. Hill. Lauren Hill came out after the Fugees. She went yeah, that's solo. what it was. It was the Fugees. <laughs> Did I say the Roots and Erica Badu? Holy moly, dude! How <laughs> wrong was I? Jesus wrong. Christ! That's okay. That's okay though. This is what my brain just did. This is what, like, I was, I went to my brain and I was like, hey, brain, can you pull up some names for me? I'm about to tell this story. And my brain was like on the couch going, uh, shit. I do definitely don't want to get up and research these names. And just threw the first two names at me and said, here are the names you're looking for. And then I used those in the story. Meanwhile, my brain's just sitting on the couch eating a fucking bowl of ice cream watching bachelor uk here are the people here are the bands and the people it didn't throw at you though van halen or david lee roth it threw roots and erica badu out there yeah it just <laughs> threw whatever whatever was convenient well so she made that album the miseducation of lauren hill which was really cool you know you can you can be a bullshit artist and make an album if the right people are around you to help you get away with it. But then when you get in front of a thousand people with a guitar, 
Right. You can see what what it's made of. You can see what's really going on. Right. Well, that's the problem with a lot of a lot of people that have like instant stardom. If you see them on that first tour, they're probably not going to be very good. It's rare that you see a band that just got famous do well live. But now you see you see a band that's been touring for 10 years? Yeah, they got it dialed in. Oh yeah. They're great. But but think about it. What People don't really talk about this much, but what we all witnessed culturally was, first of all, the Fuji's big hit was a cover song, uh, Killing Them Softly. Huge hit, but it was a cover song, and it was kind of cool. Then she comes out with an album that was put together by pro- probably a great producer and some good songwriters. And then what? Then nothing. It's just a big nothing. She didn't do shit. She, it turns out she really wasn't anyone worth paying attention to artistically. And then I think about a guy like you, you're going to get on a stage and it's going to be the real deal. You just yeah. need you just need the stage and the audience and the real deal is going to translate into that microphone. It's amazing the people who don't do that. Everybody that I've ever talked to that's gotten famous or was involved with getting somebody famous, they all say that it's luck. It's just like you're in the right place at the right time. You just have a song that just kind of catches the the zeitgeist i was actually and, gonna uh, say zeitgeist as well and uh it just happens and you know it's like lightning in a bottle you just never know i mean this guy henry phillips is amazing like i it's like you know with mark riblet i just spent i don't know maybe five hours over the last 24 hours watching his short films that he makes that are on amazon and just laughing a lot. The dude's funny. He's put out a lot of good material. And then I was listening to a podcast that he just recorded a couple months ago. And he's not he's not doing any he was a stand-up comedian for years. He's not doing that anymore. He's all the songs he wrote like 10 years ago or 20 years ago. He's he's not really writing songs anymore. It's weird. He's just kind of given up. Yeah, it's sad and it's sad to see your peers do that seeing that a lot in nashville from from covid stuff but people moving away people kind of just pivoting and giving up and well i mean all the bands that i watched live in the 90s i mean one percent of those bands are still around playing music the rest they're all doing different shit the counting crows (laughs) no i'm not talking about huge (laughs) bands like that i mean if you make enough money you can just retire and be a musician your whole life and do reunion shows i'm talking about you know, working bands that played at the clubs that I played yeah. in in the 90s eventually disformed after a year or two or four, and, and they're not playing music anymore. They're, you know, selling insurance or real estate or yeah. cooking or doing something. I saw an interview, this ties back a little bit to what we were saying a little bit before, but an interview with Jeff Tweedy, and someone asked him, do you think an, another band as good as the Beatles or whatever, as great or influential as the Beatles will ever happen again? And he was like, oh, yeah. He was like, bands that good have already happened. There's probably a band better than the Beatles right now, but no one will ever hear them. And what he was sort of, he was making the same point you're making about how much luck is involved. It's not that the Beatles were the greatest ever, and that's why everything happened. It's that the timing was right for it. And out of all the people that the timing happened to, they're the greatest ever. Well, it's an interesting theory. By the way, you know, Jeff Tweedy just came out with a book a week ago called How to Write a Song. How to Write One Song. Nice. 
Yeah, I saw it. Uh, Matt, the electrician, uh, posted a picture of the book. And it's I probably checked. pretty good. I read the intro. It's pretty good. He's smart guy, Jeff Tweedy. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if there's going to be a better band than the Beatles. And I don't know if that's true, what he said. The Beatles, they were, dude, you can't fuck with the Beatles, man. You can't no. say, oh, there's going to be a better band than the Beatles. There probably already has been a better band than the Beatles. I just don't think that's true. Um, you First of all, you have to have a long career and you have to... Their career wasn't long. Their career was only 10 years. Well, that's a long time, dude. That's a long time to be in a band where there's more than one songwriter. That's a yeah. long time. Like you can look at bands that have been around for a long time that have written some good material like R.E.M. or Pink Floyd and, you know, and argue that, you know, maybe they're as good as the Beatles or they've written as, or Tom Petty or Paul Simon or, or the Rolling Stones, you know, but I don't, I don't think any of those bands are as good. No. I mean, not, they just, they have so much material. It, it spans such a wide. I mean, I, I completely agree. I'm, I'm a huge Beatle freak. I think what he was trying to say was like, John Lennon's walking out his house and he makes a right turn one day instead of a left turn. And that band doesn't happen. Right. And who knows if Strawberry Fields gets written or Help or In My Life or Revolution or right. Come Together. I, mean, I think there's some people that, like Danny Malone, who lives here in Austin, who's written some of the my favorite songs ever, that nobody's ever gonna nobody's ever gonna hear from him because he's he's he has a hard time, I don't know, keeping it together or something, uh, or doing what it takes. You know, the Beatles Beatles don't get those haircuts. Nobody's heard of the Beatles either. <laughs> but like a bunch of stuff happened with the Beatles, one after another that created the Beatles and the, the chance of that happening again, I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. I had someone recently in the wild be like, have you ever heard of this guy, uh, uh, Danny Malone? I'm like, yeah, dude. It was like weird to hear it in the wild, you know? Right. It wasn't like someone sharing a fucking Lizzo song. I'm like, have you heard this Lizzo song? Yeah. Everyone's heard the fucking Lizzo song, bro. The corporate entities that the gatekeepers have made sure that they've shoved it down our fucking throats in every ad everywhere. So, well, what's the vibe like in Austin? Are people playing shows at all? Are, are venues finding socially distant ways to do performances and are people going? I'm playing a show next Friday, I think. Full band? Full band at the Nutty Brown. Yeah, that's a nice outside venue. It's an outside that. venue there doing this thing where they're it's all social distancing so everything's pods everything's seated with pods so the pods are two to ten and you buy those chunks of tickets and i guess the deal is like i'm just you know they do a lot of country country shows this will be i think one of the only country shows they haven't done there and uh you know i'm just worried i'm just i want to make sure that people you know, are careful about social distancing and that they, they have to wear their masks until they get to their pods. Once they get to their pods, they can take their masks off because they're at least six feet away from anybody around them. 
So that seems fine to me. Yeah. The only thing I worry about is that like somebody will be like, get up to go get a beer and won't put their mask on. And I'm like, yeah. put your mask on when you go get a beer because yeah. you're going to be near people. So I, I'm hoping, and but they they say they're they're really good about enforcing that. So we'll see, we'll see how it goes. People definitely want to come out and see music, and I want to yeah. play for sure. Uh, so I'm looking forward to it. We'll we'll see how it goes. I haven't really missed playing music, like performing live, until pretty recently. For a lot of this time, I've been really enjoying the break because I've just I just went nonstop for a decade and. Uh, and, you know, the way I do it is I, I learn so many other people's songs. I'm always learning another set of someone else's material and learning all their lyrics and singing all their. So getting a break from that was fine. But I, I did feel recently like I don't care what the gig is. I just want to play my guitar on a stage. Right. Because it's what I'm good at. I never I never really thought about it that way. I never had to. I'll tell you what I don't miss at all is traveling. Like, I I, know, yeah. I hate traveling. And I haven't had to do it. Like, this is going to be easy because I'm just going to drive to the gig, play the gig, and drive home. But, like, we did a show in Arlington, which is a three-hour drive. And I didn't really want to drive in the van, so I drove up myself. And that was a three-hour drive there, played the show, three-hour drive home. So that was a little bit more a little bit more work. A lot of alone time? A lot of alone time. And then I had a, I had a show and a private show in somebody's backyard scheduled for last weekend and it was in San Diego or just, or just outside San Diego. And I was talking to Steve Poltz, who's out there, who's been out there all summer. He was just telling me like how COVID San Diego is. And I was just like, (laughs) I don't want to go out there. It's just like, I don't know what I was thinking when I, when we booked the gig. And then I was just like, yeah, it's just, plus I was, I was a little under the weather like Laura had been coughing because of these allergies and I was kind of had a little bit of a cough and I was like, what if I get stranded out there? What if I get stranded in California? I mean, there are worse places to be stranded. Well, I, then I'm just, I can't, I'm not going to be home for two weeks. What, what's the deal? What, or how about if I get COVID? How about if I get the bad COVID? Anyways, the more I thought about it, the more I was just like, I just don't want to do it. So I canceled at the last minute. I felt bad, you know, cause obviously there were super fans that, that uh, wanted me to go out there, and uh, and I'm bummed out that I couldn't that I didn't do it um, because I know I let them down. But I don't know, man. Well, it's a weird time. It's a it's weird a time weird to time a, to get on a plane, dude. It's it's. I, it wasn't even getting like the getting on the plane part. I'm not that worried about. It was just the combination of all the things. Is the plane and mm-hmm. the, you know get from the airport to the gig and then gig to the hotel and hotel to the airport and all of it. So, cause the, the problem isn't like, I'm not that worried about it. Like I'm, I'm going to like, if I need to go across the country, I'm going to fly. Now, am I going to be nervous when I'm on the plane? Am I going to not feel comfortable the whole time? Yes. But I know that I'll be fine. Same with this. Like I don't, I didn't cancel because I thought I was going to get COVID. I canceled because I knew the amount of anxiety I was going to experience that whole day and the next day, and then for the next four or five days thinking, well, what if I got something because I was on this trip? You know what I mean? Like it yeah, was too I, much in overall anxiety for me to deal with. Well, I, I told you when we were talking privately about that, that I, I think canceling, though I'm sure people were disappointed. I get that. I think that was the right move for now. 
well, things will be different. Things happened, will be different sure. soon. Things will be different sooner than later, and we will all be a lot more grateful for things that we took for granted. I know I will be. Uh, speaking of not taking things for granted, let's end on a high note here. We got a couple of new patrons and a couple of uh, messages from patrons. Oh, nice. So we want to say thanks to Buddy Ramos and Andy Mink. Andy Mink wrote us a nice email that says, episode 127, which was a couple of episodes ago, and I honestly don't know what we talked about, and I'm sure you don't either. He says that that episode was the tipping point for becoming a patron. Here's his email. Hey guys, I dig your podcast. You ride with me during my morning coffee and commute, and then I play a throwback gym from the first hundred shows on my return afternoon commute. I like that, a throwback gym from our first hundred episodes. He says, pandemic reality means I'm only doing in the car a few times a week and I'm turning to the show to frame the day. I dig your music. I've seen Bob numerous times over the last 15 years, from the Southern and Charlottesville to the Belly Up and Solana Beach in Durham, Carborough, Philadelphia, Annapolis, etc., and many venues in between. He says, I've been listening to Clint's work more recently, including the record of cover songs, which is awesome. I wear a FAYM t-shirt on occasion. He says, but I haven't been able to pull the trigger on Patreon. He says, I can't afford it, and I've been tempted. I generally support the arts and local stages. For some reason, though, I've chosen to linger on the outside of the fence and listen to the show, drinking out of my own private cooler instead of buying a ticket to stand in front of the stage until episode 127. He says, the conversation you had, especially in the back half of the show, was a gut punch followed up by a hug. Thanks for the insights, which echo for many of us at this stage in life. Hope to see you on the road again soon. Andy Mink from Chapel Hill, North Carolina. All right. I think I know which one he's talking about because we did have an episode a couple episodes ago that I listened to. I, I listened to these occasionally and I thought, wow, this is a because it, it was funny, but then it was also real poignant. Um, and those are my favorite. The ones where we actually get into some real deep shit, uh, those are my fave. You yeah. know, being silly is fun and I like it and it's enjoyable. But when we start talking about some real shit, it's great because, uh, you know, I like throwing ideas off you and hearing your ideas, and um, and I respect your uh, opinion and your point of view. And it's you know, it's not always the same as mine, and uh, and I feel like we get to learn, uh, or I get to learn uh, by doing it. So I'm glad that somebody else appreciates that as well. Now, if you are also sitting on the fence, hop off that fence and come join us here in our Patreon. You'll feel good about yourself. You'll feel good about yourself, right? We have well. Let's check this out. To your very point, and then we'll skedaddle over to the Secret Weekly. But we have a guy who's a fan of the Metal Up Your Podcast podcast that I do, and uh-huh. he's been making this really great art for us. And he doesn't support us on Patreon, but he's like, "Hey, I'm an artist. How about I just make art for you guys?" And it's like we use them on our cover EPs. We put them on our logos, and uh, he'd. Metallica makes their own whiskey. He lives in a state that doesn't sell it. He'd asked us about a month ago, hey, can I PayPal you the price of the whiskey? Will you ship it to me from Tennessee? Because they sell it here. So this morning, I found a a liquor store that will ship it to his address in New Jersey legally. Okay, cool. And uh, I sent him him two bottles of of the whiskey he asked for, and he's not going to pay us. And to your very point, I mean, and this was us giving back to somebody. This wasn't us asking for anything. It did feel good to, I mean, it was a couple hundred, it was 150 bucks or something, but it did feel good to be like, it felt good to support him. You know what I'm saying? It did feel good. And I think people who are willing and able and who think the show has value the way that we thought his art had value 
will feel good by supporting the show. I do think so. Well, here's what I know about our brains. They're keeping track of everything that we do. And unless you're a sociopath or a psychopath, it's figuring out like how much are you taking and how much are you giving? And the more you give, the better you feel. And the more you take, the less good you feel. And that's just the way, that's just the way our brains work. Are I don't we know writing why a song right going. now? Are we writing What's a song? Right? Are we writing a song right now? Well, we just wrote a song. Co-write. Song, song's over. We, I mean, we wrote the song and then we published the song in a book and then the book got closed. And now there's <laughs> dust on it with spiders and a corpse and endless infinity. Wow. Bringing it all back home. Bobby Schnishniz. All right. Well, we'll see you guys next week. Peace. 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 <laughs>